Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun, and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Hi, I'm James. I'm Gavin. And I'm Stephen. And we are Dream Gun. And you are listening to a classic episode of Dream Gun Film Reads. Where we take our favorite movies and then totally rewrite them and put a bunch of jokes and nonsense in them. And then the show is performed by actors and comedians who haven't read the script, so everything you hear is completely unrehearsed. If you enjoy Film Reads, please subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know what to say in your review, just use it to tell us what film you'd like us to read next. Because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> If you'd like to support the show, there's two ways to do it. You can subscribe to Film Reads on Patreon. Patreon subscribers get early access to episodes, bonus uncut recordings, and tickets to the live show. Or you can see us in person. If you'd like to see Film Reads live, you can check out dreamgun.ie for tickets to all of our upcoming shows or follow us. We are at Dreamgun and Sons on all the socials. We perform regularly in Dublin and London and at festivals all around the world. Please enjoy Dream Gun Film Reads. Dream Gun! Physio by Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) It's the early 1960s. People are enjoying newly found freedom from the stodgy 50s conservativeness. A second haircut has just been invented for men. (laughs) Women wore beehives on their heads and the beach men were still mere beach boys. In the big city, Phoenix, Arizona, Marion Crane, a swinging hip 60s woman, swings her 60s hips in a dingy hotel room. She looks like like if Jamie Lee Curtis gave birth to herself, and she's wearing that 60s bra that seems to cover more skin than there actually is. Beside her is Sam Loomis, a broad-chested madman type. He looks like he only eats steak or cold spaghetti and thinks smoking is a vitamin. I better get back to the office. These these extended lunch hours give my boss excess acid, and he's very particular. He likes having the exact amount of acid. (laughs) Call your boss and tell him you're taking the rest of the afternoon off. It's Friday anyway and hot. My boss always gives me hot Fridays off. (laughs) Sam, I hate having to be with you in a place like this. I've heard of married couples who deliberately spend the occasional night in a cheap hotel if they get locked out of their house. (laughs) When you're married, you can do a lot of things deliberately, like deliberately flirt with his father to undermine his confidence, or his mother just to fuck with him. (laughs) You sure talk like a girl who's been married. I have to go, Sam. I can come down next week. We can see each other. We can even have dinner, but... Respectably, in my house with my mother's picture on the mantle and my sister helping me broil a big steak for three. And after we eat that infeasibly large steak, (laughs) do we send sister the movies and turn mama's picture to the wall? Because I'd rather not if you catch my drift. (laughs) 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 All right, Marion. Wherever it's possible, I want to see you, and under any conditions, on a train, 
in a box <laughs> with a fox, though preferably not those. Even respectability. Oh, you, you want to see me outside of having sex in a nasty hotel room? <laughs> what a nice guy you are. <laughs> you make me... Res you make respectability sound disrespectful. I'm all for it. It requires patience and a lot of sweating out. But I'm tired with sweating for people who aren't there. I sweat to pay off my father's debts. He owed sweat all over town. <laughs> and he's in his grave. I sweat to pay my ex-wife's alimony. And she's living on the other side of the world somewhere. Probably also in a grave. <laughs> I haven't even been married once yet. Yeah, but when you do, you'll swing. Like an orangutan at a key party. <laughs> oh, Sam. <laughs> Let's go get married. Yeah, and live with me in a storeroom behind a hardware store in Fairville. We'll have lots of laughs. I'll tell you what, when I send my ex-wife her money, you can lick the stamps. <laughs> I'll lick the stamps. Both sides. <laughs> Marion goes to leave. Hey, we can leave together, can't we? They got big door frames in this place. That's why I chose it. You pay extra, but it's worth it. I'm late, and you have to put your shoes on. Later, Marion enters Lowry's real estate, where she works as a secretary, the highest position she could possibly reach. She approaches her co-worker, Caroline, who's the type of girl who's not in the film much. Just above them is a glass ceiling. Uh, which was presumably installed so they could watch birds. Is it Mr. Lowry back from lunch? Yeah, he's lunching with the man who's buying the Harris Street property. You know, that oily man, that's why he's late. Oh, my head. Oh, you got a headache, hon? It'll pass. Headaches are like resolutions and that they're both difficult to compare to other things. <laughs> you got some aspirin? I got something, not aspirin. At my mother's doctor gave me these the day on my wedding. Daddy was furious when he found out I'd taken tranquilizers. <laughs> that man really scares me. <laughs> Any calls? Uh, Teddy called to ask the time. Yeah. And my mother called to see if Teddy knew what time it was. And then Teddy called back later to ask the time again. You know, sometimes I wish he'd never realized getting married was cheaper than buying a watch. Oh, and your sister called to say she's going to Tucson to do some buying, and she'll be gone the whole weekend. She's interrupted by the entrance of their boss, Mr. Lowry, who, in a cartoon, would be played by a mouse with spectacles. <laughs> He's followed by Mr. Cassidy, a rootin' tootin' good old-fashioned southern piece of shit. Hot as fresh milk. 
and it's as dry as, well, no milk. You girls should get your boss to air condition you up. He can afford it today. I just bought all of his real estates, real ones, a whole sack full of them. Now, now Mr. Cassidy, remember, I told you. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they don't fit into a sack. That's cool. It's buildings and shit, right? <laughs> Ma Marion, will you get those copies of the deed ready for Mr. Cassidy? Hmm. Tomorrow's the day. My sweet little girl, tomorrow my daughter stands her sweet self up there and gets married away from me, 18 years old, and she's never had an unhappier day in any one of those years. Nah. Well, except for one day where she got stung by a bunch of bees. <laughs> or that other day when she got chased around by a man with a beard made of bees. <laughs> other than that, I always provided for her. She always had clothes on her back and a glass of the hottest, freshest milk in Arizona. <laughs> Tom, my, my office is air-conditioned. It's got two settings, uh, sweltering and muggy. Mm -hmm. You know what I do with unhappiness? I buy it all. You unhappy? Not inordinately. <laughs> Not inordinately. <laughs> amount everyone is in this capitalist hellscape we call America. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying this house for my baby's wedding present. $40,000 cash. Now, if that ain't buying happiness, that's buying off unhappiness, which is a different thing, apparently. <laughs> I never carry more than I can afford to lose. <laughs> Why, this could disappear and I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, what's changed? Nothing, that's what. <laughs> He whips out a wad of cash. You have to remember that this is the 60s, so while $40,000 is a lot of money now, back then it was quite a lot of money. Oh my fucking God. Well, I don't declare my taxes. That's how I'm able to keep it. If you live on a horse, the tax man can't find you. Suppose we just put this in the safe and then Monday morning, when, when, when you're feeling good... Uh, speaking of feeling good, where's that bottle you said you had in your desk? <laughs> Whoops. Sometimes I just can't keep my mouth shut. I'm dying of thirst to Rooney. You hear that, girls? I'm a tax charger and a drunk. <laughs> Adding... Aruni to words was popular slang since President Eisenhower used the phrase mutually assured destructoruni in his re-election speech. I don't even want it in the office over the weekend. Put it in the safe deposit box at the bank, Marion. Marion bags up the cash. Uh, Mr. Lowry, if you don't mind, I'd like to go right on home after the bank. Of course. You, you feeling ill? A headache. Aren't you gonna take those pills, hon? They'll knock that headache out by killing you. <laughs> Can't buy unhappiness with pills, except for ecstasy. I guess I'll go put this money in the bank and then I'll go home, have a glass of cod liver oil with a spoonful of mercury and sleep it off. Marion leaves the office, but instead of going to the bank, she decides to steal the money. But this decision is made off screen, in her brain. Ha <laughs> ha! 
She gets in her car and Heil tells it out of town. But while stopped at a light, which is presumably red, but it's a black and white film, so it's impossible to tell. She sees Mr. Lowry crossing the road. He smiles at her before remembering that she said she'd intended to spend the weekend in bed. She speeds off, but eventually gets sleepy from all the guilt. The next morning, she is awoken abruptly by a police officer tapping on her car window. Excuse me, Mayus. Do you know how fast you are going? Motionless. That's far below the recommended speed. <laughs> yes, I, I, I didn't mean to sleep so long. I was afraid I'd have an accident last night from, from sleepiness, so I... Decided to pull over and, and have a sleep. I, I never should have eaten all those wedding tranquilizers. There, there, there are plenty of motels in this area. There's, there's Bates Motel just down the road. Never seen a customer leave unsatisfied. Or at all. Have I broken any laws? No, ma'am. Oh, good. Well, you don't know about the money. Then I'm free to go. Is anything wrong? Am I acting? <laughs> Is my voice normal? You don't know how my voice normally sounds. May I see your license? He gives her her license, a full going over, but it doesn't say criminal anywhere on it, so he, he just lets her drive on. He decides to tailor for a bit, just in case, and because he's going the same way as her. She pulls into a used car lot. California Charlie, a slimy, fast-talking salesman whose nickname is whatever state he's in, approaches. I'm in no mood for trouble. What? Uh, it's an old saying, you know, first customer of the day is always the most trouble, but like I said, I'm in no mood for trouble, so I'm just going to treat you so fair and square you don't have one human reason to give me trouble. I tell you, there's one born every minute. Humans. Uh, that's all right. Can I, can I trade in my car and take another? Oh, you can do anything you've a mind to, and then being a woman, you will. <laughs> well, you look around for something that strikes your eye, and meanwhile, uh, uh, do you want some coffee? Uh, no, thank you. I'm I'm in a hurry. I I just want to make a change. How much How much for that automobile? That that the move move movie driving. Oh, uh, not 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 much, especially considering uh, all that money you're gonna steal. What? What? Something something I always say. You customers robbing me blind with these deals I'm giving you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, it looks fine. Um, how how much will it be with with my car? Well, I, I tell you, it's a great business I run here. I give people a car, and they give me a car and the money. <laughs> Wait, ho hold on. You, you mean you don't want to use the usual day and a half to think it over? Somebody chasing you? Of course not, and that's very specific. <laughs> well, then, I'd, I'd figure roughly uh, your car plus uh, $700. 700 Aha, uh -huh. always got time to argue money, huh? All right. Oh, uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you, ma'am. Uh, it's not that I don't trust you, but it's just suspicious. Wanting to buy a car from a car salesman. <laughs> it almost seems too perfect. <laughs> People usually come in here, you know, look at the cars, leave, and not come back for a long time. Sometimes they die in a war. <laughs> right, um... Is there anything so terribly wrong about uh, making a decision and, and 
wanting to go in a hurry. Do you, do you think I've stolen my car? <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. All right, you can go ahead. Okay. And remember, you're in grave danger. <laughs> what, 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 what? If you what? don't put your seatbelt on. Oh, okay, thanks. You're gonna die. What? <laughs> Eventually. All right, I, I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> Marion drives along the road in her shiny new car. Shininess was valued more than speed and comfort. <laughs> She anxiously imagines people having negative conversations about her, exactly the way everybody does all the time. <laughs> or she could just be listening to some very mean-spirited radio station. Caroline, Marion still isn't in? No, Mr. Larry, but then she always is a bit late on Monday mornings, always takes long sex lunches and headache breaks. Buzz <laughs> me the minute she comes in. I'm sure she's fine. Smartest woman in the world, that Marion. Sure am! <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I did see Marion sometime later driving. Ah, uh, I think you'd better come over to my office, quick. Caroline, get Mr. Cassidy for me. That Marion sure is in trouble now. She's also late for her final exam and forgotten her pants. <laughs> yeah, and her teeth are falling out. <laughs> well, I ain't about to kiss off $40,000. I'll get it back, and if there's any mess in, I'll replace it with a fine, soft flesh. <laughs> Hold on, Cassidy. I still can't believe it. Must be some sort of a mystery, like the Lindbergh baby, or, or the mystery of why we all have lung cancer. <laughs> Marion notices it's dark and rainy and she's still driving a car. Uh, don't think of drive. Come on, Marion, you know this. She sees a neon sign that reads Bates Motel, no vacancies. But the no is switched off, so it really says yes, vacancies. She parks outside, but nobody is in the office. Behind the motel sits an old house. It looks like the Adams family house, but actually sinister, not like wacky sinister. In the window, Marion can see a shapely feminine figure walking back and forth inside. She beeps her horn, and a tall pencil man runs down from the old house. This is Norman Bates. Gee, I'm sorry I didn't hear you in all that rain. And because I have all these voices just screaming in my head all the time. Uh, oh. I saw your yes vacancy sign. You, uh, you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. They moved away the highway. It took those prisoners days to push it over. I thought I'd gotten off the main road. They enter the motel office. Uh, I knew you must have. No one ever stops here anymore unless they do. But it's no good dwelling on our losses, is it? We just go right ahead, lighting signs and following the formalities. Paying taxes, putting the toilet seat down, you know. Uh, would you sign, please? Your home address. Uh, just the town will do. Marion frantically looks around for a fake city name and notices the title of her newspaper, The Los Angeles Chronicle. She signs the book. <laughs> Cabin one. It's closer in case you want anything. Right next to the office. I'll get your bag. Let's go. Uh, this is cabin one. Stuffy in here. Well, the mattress is soft, and there's hangers in the closet, and there's stationery that says, I survived the Bates Motel. You know, that, you know, in case you want to make your friends back home envious. And over there is the, uh, the room with the... Um, the bathroom. Uh, yes, where the, the poo comes out of your butt, yes. <laughs> Oh, 
in the office, so if you want anything, just tap on the wall, because I'll be in the office. Thank you, Mr. Bates. Uh, Norman Bates. Uh, Mr. Bates is my mother. <laughs> favor? Will you have supper with me? I was just about to myself. You know, uh, nothing more than a few sandwiches and a lot of milk. Uh, so much milk. Too much milk. I'm very hot. But if you'd like to come up to the house, I don't set a fancy table, but the kitchen's awful horny. Homie, I I'm awful horny. I... <laughs> I'd like to. All right, well... You just get yourself settled and, and take off those wet shoes and I'll come for you as soon as it's ready. <laughs> With my trusty umbrella. Norman leaves. <laughs> Marion takes the wad of cash from her suitcase and hides it inside her newspaper, forgetting that it's 1960 and people actually read newspapers. <laughs> Suddenly, the quiet is shattered by voices raised in anger. Marion listens from the window and hears an argument coming from the house. Mother, please. No, I tell you, no! I will not have you bring strange young girls in for supper. By candlelight, I suppose, in the cheap erotic fashion of young men with cheap erotic minds. Mother, she's just a stranger, hungry, and the weather's bad. And now I'm speaking while you're drinking that glass of water! <laughs> Go tell her she'll not be appeasing her ugly appetite with my food or my son. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I'm sorry, where were we? <laughs> oh, I, I've caused you some trouble. Uh, mother, my... Mother, she's... What's the phrase? Uh, she isn't herself today. I'm sorry, I, I wish you could apologize for other people. You know, people who are not you. <laughs> you know, don't, don't worry about it, but, it, but as long as you've made us suffer, we may as well have it, huh? She gestures towards her bedroom. Norman is alarmed by what could be an invitation to do kissing with no clothes. <laughs> and maybe more. Uh, it might be nicer and warmer in the office. Anyway, if, if you did come up to the house for dinner, you'd probably never see me and mother together. I'd always be stepping out to answer the phone or use the bathroom. And she'd come in looking for me and she'd be like, where's Norman? I never realized I could do such a good impression of her. <laughs> they enter Norman's office. It's a room full of creepy stuff. A notorious cheapskate, the set dressing was mostly repurposed from other Hitchcock films. There's loads of taxidermy birds and a rear window with torn curtains. Some rope in the corner, uh, and whatever a Marnie is. Also, according to IMDb, the staircase uh, reuses 28 out of the 39 steps. You, uh, you eat like a bird. <laughs> You'd know, of course. Well, not really. I hear that, besides, I hear that expression that one eats like a bird is really a falsy. I mean, a, a falsity. You know, a, a not true. Because birds, they, they really eat a tremendous lot. But I don't really know anything about birds, except how to rip out their spines. <laughs> My hobby is stuffing things, you know, taxidermy. I dress them up into little dioramas and get them to recreate famous battles. I have a great rendition of the Normandy, of the Normandy landings with starlings and a ferret. Well, a man should have a hobby. I suppose it's 
Just like Warhammer, except affordable. <laughs> well, it's more than just a hobby. I mean, a hobby is supposed to pass the time, not fill it. <laughs> is your time so empty? Well, no. I, I run the office, the office, and I tend the cabin grounds, and I do little errands for Mother, you know. We do the dishes together, test the seesaw, move a couch up a flight of stairs like the Choco Brothers. You, you know how it goes. <laughs> you, you go out with friends? Well, uh... A boy's best friend is his mother, so no. <laughs> if anyone ever spoke to me the, the way that she spoke to you... Well, she's ill. She had to raise me all by herself. And then she raised me too much, and now I'm a few inches taller than I should be. <laughs> a few years ago, mother met a man. And it was just too much for her when he died. And the way he died... Well, it's nothing to talk about while you're eating. It, it wasn't a very delicious way. <laughs> Anyway, it was too much of a loss for my mother, so she had nothing left. Except you. My son is a poor substitute for a lover. Institution? A madhouse? An Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane? <laughs> People always call a madhouse someplace. And then you have to say where, and then they have to clarify. But she's harmless. She's as harmless as one of these stuffed mothers of birds! Stuffed! <laughs> stuffed birds! I'm sorry, I, I only thought it, it seemed like she was harming you. I, I meant well. well it's, it's not as if she was a, a maniac, a, a raving thing. It's just that... Sometimes she goes a little mad. We all, we've all gone a little mad sometimes. Haven't you? Oh, Mom, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> me and my girls said uh, last year we went to Burning Man. And... <laughs> You're not going to go to your room already, are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm very tired. I'm, I'm heading all the way back to Phoenix. All right, well... I'll see you in the morning, Miss. Crane. What? Crane. <laughs> Crane. Crane. <laughs> Good night. She leaves. Norman checks the book she signed earlier and sees that she wrote Stephanie von Winkle D'Onofrio. <laughs> from Newspaper City. He returns to his office and takes a painting from the wall to reveal a peephole into Marion's room. Before you judge, this was years before the internet and people could just type in any rude words and look at them. Time to do some peeping. Norman peeps through. He watches Marion undress and enter the bathroom. Norman stops watching and runs back to the house. Marion steps into the shower. Wow, the water pressure is really good. Ah, oh, what a boy I've had. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Marin, you dumb slut. <laughs> what a day I've had. <laughs> My stomach has been a knot. <laughs> really had a scare with that policeman. And that car dealer, what a character. Behind Marion, the door to the bathroom opens. That Norman is a bit odd, but he's probably all right deep down if you think about it. <laughs> that was a good talk. I don't want to spend the rest of my life just running away. A shadowy figure approaches the shower curtain. You know... <laughs> The 12th largest by population city in the USA, if the stories are to be believed. The figure stops moving. I'm definitely going to, uh... I'm going to return that money and live a more honest life. Me and Sam, we, we, we can work something out if we put our heads together. Boy... Are we definitely going to be happy together? <laughs> My mother always said two heads are better than one. Hey, I hope Norman figures stuff out with his mother. <laughs> she sounded frightful, but, but I'm sure deep down she's... The shower curtain is ripped aside, revealing an old woman brandishing a large kitchen knife. Ah, someone's here! <laughs> The old woman stabs Marion eight times in 52 cuts. You see the knife plunge into her, or maybe you don't, and maybe there's a nipple, but you're not too sure. It's the type of thing that the censors in the 60s would not have liked, because as everyone knows, female nudity and violence makes you a communist. Her blood runs down the shower drain. Marion slumps to the floor, dead. Back at the house, we hear Norman see his mother return home. Mother! Oh, God, what? Blood! Blood, mother! Norman runs to cabin one and finds Marion's body. He has a think. He puts the body in newspaper containing the money in Marion's car and puts the car at the bottom of a swamp. <laughs> he then comes back, picks up the body, and puts it at the bottom of a swamp. <laughs> Just gotta give this bathroom a quick loveless mop and I'm home free. <laughs> Three days later, in Los Angeles, a woman enters Sam's hardware store. It's Marion's sister, Lila. She looks a lot like Marion, so we can all pretend she's still around. She approaches a mustached man who's standing behind the counter. Sam? Sam, the lady wants to see ya. <laughs> Lila, what's the matter? Where's Marion? Last Friday she left work, and I haven't heard from her all weekend. Not even a phone call. 
She usually calls me every 22 minutes to tell me about showers she's had. <laughs> well, what do you think? We eloped or something, or we're living in sin? Kissing in her underwear whenever we please. <laughs> Look, if you two are in this thing together, I don't care. It's none of my business. But I want to see Marion. <laughs> Bob, run out and get yourself some lunch. Oh, oh, that's all right, Mr. Sam. I brought some with me. Well, eat it as loud as you can. <laughs> Please, no, no more, Mr. Sam. I'm so full of lunch. <laughs> Let's talk about Marion. Yes, Sam and Lila. Let's talk about Marion. Shopkeep Bob removes his mustache to reveal... Milton Abagast, P.I. Milt Arbogast, a real salt-of-the-earth, no-nonsense private investigator type with that leathery skin that men had back then when the base of the food pyramid was root beer and everything was made from asbestos. Where's the broad, Miss Crane? I don't know. Wouldn't have been able to tell you if you did. Wait. You've been working here for five weeks. <laughs> a lucky coincidence. Now, now tell me where Marion is. What's your interest? I'm not in for the name, Sam. I'm in it for the money. Your girlfriend stole $40,000. Why? Must have needed it. For a new car, maybe, and an out-of-town shower. She was supposed to bank it on Friday for her boss. She didn't. Someone has seen her. Little detective secret for you. Someone always sees a girl with $40,000. It's in the rule book, see? Right next to only guilty people confess. <laughs> she, she, she is your girlfriend, isn't she? Sam, they don't want to prosecute. They just want the money back. Then, once they have it, they'll probably prosecute it. <laughs> it was all in cash. Cash or Rooney. <laughs> you, you came here up on a hunch, Miss Crane, nothing more? Not even a hunch. Just hope and two-thirds of an inkling. She was seen leaving town in a car. Seen by her very victims, I might add. I don't believe you. Do you, Lila? Yes, I just did, the moment they told me. <laughs> you might have doubted for, say, five minutes or so. <sighs> We're always quickest to doubt people who have a record for being honest. No, no, wait, I always get that wrong. <laughs> liars, I'm thinking of liars. <laughs> I think she's here, Miss Crane. Here, where there's a boyfriend. Women naturally gravitate to within 20 miles of their nearest boyfriend. <laughs> I'll find her. And, and believed everything they told me. She stole the money. We don't want to get her in trouble. Don't spend the night at Bates Motel. <laughs> I think she'll contact me if she contacts anybody. I have all her unflattering pointy bras. <laughs> Why don't you stay here? When she shows up her calls, we'll be here. You want me to stay here? She'll need both of us. Where can I stay? First-rate hotel, 50 yards up the street. Come on. After we check in, we'll go to the drugstore and get you a sandwich. Then we'll go to the sandwich store and get you some drugs. <laughs> Boy, we have to do something with these crazy 60s store naming conventions. <laughs> then we'll come back here and wait, quietly, and just not do anything. Later, Norman sits on the porch, sinisterly munching on a bag of candy corn, both spelt with the letter K. Remember, this was a lawless time before Lyndon Johnston famously made spelling mandatory. Arbo approaches the hotel in his driving machine. 
Evening. Evening. I almost drove right past. But then I didn't. I drove right up here and came straight to you. <laughs> I always forget to put the sign on, but we do have a vacancy at 12, in fact. 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. Candy? It's spelt with a K. No, thanks. Uh, in the past days, I've been to so many motels, my, my eyes are bleary with neon. My doctor says I shouldn't stare into those signs for so long. Ever. Hey, I'm a, I'm a slow reader. You know, this is the first one. This is the first one that looked like it was hiding from the world. Well, to tell you the truth, I, I didn't really forget the sign. It just doesn't seem any use to it. Just doesn't seem any use anymore. You see, that used to be the main highway right there. Then one day they just rolled it up in a big tube and took it away, and then four writers rewrote this film, and they didn't consult with each other about the joke earlier about prisoners, prisoners pushing it away. Maybe it's like how, you know, like how I got these scars in the dark night? Like it's different every time I'd say how the highway moved away? Anyway, the, the government's moving all the roads to big cities. You want to, uh, you want to come in and register? No, 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 no. Sit down. I don't want to trouble you. Just, just ask a few questions. Oh, no trouble. Today's linen day, so I gotta change the sheets. Linen day is a traditional American holiday. <laughs> Where families give thanks for various cloths and fabrics. And if you were good, the linen man comes and leaves linen under your pillow. No, no, I, I change the beds once a week, whether they've been used or not. I still put all the little chocolates in the pillows and lay out all the 12-course continental breakfasts every day. I really shouldn't. It's very expensive. You, uh, you had to buy a motel? No. Oh, I... I just thought when you said that you've been to so many in the past couple of days, uh, what was it you wanted to ask? I'm looking for a missing person. My name is Milt Avagast. Back then, that was a very popular name. <laughs> and it actually reached oversaturation in 1962 when 40% of all men were called Milt Arbogast. And nobody knew who anybody was referring to. I'm a private investigator, trying to chase a young girl who's been missing about a week now. It's a private matter. Family wants to forgive her. She isn't in any trouble. They, they want to thank her personally for relieving them of all that expensive money. <laughs> Arbogast takes a black and white photograph out of his black and white pocket and passes it to Norman. <laughs> we have reason to believe she came this way. She could only drive downhill as her car had no engine. <laughs> that, uh... California Charlie is a damn good salesman. <laughs> D did she stop here? Now, 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 you'll have to imagine her older than this. This was taken in the 1950s, a, a few days ago. No, no, no one has stopped here in weeks. Mind looking at the picture before committing yourself? Well, committing myself? Well, you sure talk like a policeman. They're always coming around, showing me pictures, asking me to commit myself. Pack of jokers. <laughs> Look at the picture, please. No, it, at least I don't recall. Think hard. She might have been making a face. <laughs> Marion Crane. Marion Crane's the real name. But she, she might have registered under a pseudonym. Like Muhammad Ali or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Did either of them check in here recently? I don't even bother with guest registering anymore. I mean, little by little you drop the formalities. I mean, I shouldn't even bother to clean the peepholes anymore. <laughs> 
I guess old habits die hard, which reminds me. He goes to the wall, flips a light switch. Uh, the vacancy sign. You know, just in case. We had a couple the other night said, said if the thing hadn't been on, they would have thought this was an old deserted mining town or something. Uh, the sign explicitly says that we aren't an old deserted mining town. <laughs> now, 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 you see, that's exactly my point. You, you said nobody's been here in a couple of weeks, and a couple came by and didn't know you were open. Well, as you say, old, old habits die hard. This was the first recorded usage of that phrase, and it sparked a craze that immediately swept through the nation. <laughs> Girls would get it stitched into their dresses, and motorcycle gangs would drive up big ramps in its honor. <laughs> do, do, do you mind if I have a look at your book? I, I guess not. Arbogast goes to the desk and begins leafing through the dusty registry book. Okay, let's see here. I'll, I'll get the date somewhere. Uh, see, there's nobody. Just, uh, just, just owls and my mother. That's that's all we got around this place. <laughs> let's see now. I have a sample of her handwriting here. I also brought some samples of her DNA and two pints of her blood, just in case. <laughs> oh yes, here we are. Those are definitely her letters. Yes, sir. Even though she only wrote a single name. No one else could have written those eight letters like that. Case closed, we got her. Marie Samuels, interesting alias. An anagram of Mamory Lass. Very clever. Samuels figures, her boyfriend's name is Sam. Don't know where she got the name Marie. Probably stole it. Was she in disguise? Or, or, or do, you, do you want to check the picture again? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's her, all right. I'm just used to seeing her through a peepee hole in the wall, you understand. <laughs> Plus, it's, it's just not a very good picture, you know. She, she's much larger than that. A life-size, actually. And, you know, she didn't just stop at the waist. No, sir. <laughs> I didn't lie to you. I just, I just have trouble keeping track of time around here since I replaced all the clocks with spooky birds. <laughs> Tell me all about her. Uh, well, she arrived rather late one night, had a shower, just wrapped herself in a shower curtain, and then went right to bed. Uh, she left early the next morning, just climbed right into her trunk and drove off. How early? Uh, she arrived late one night. Uh, no, very early. Very early. Uh, of which morning? The, the following morning, uh, that Sunday. No one met her? No. Or arrived with her? No. She didn't give birth to no, anyone? No. She didn't call anyone, even locally? Did she, did she dream? No. Did you spend the night with her? No, of, of all the... the, uh, the how, how do you know she didn't make any phone calls then? Well, she was tired. Too tired to use these big wind-up old-timey phones. <laughs> yes, now I'm remembering very clearly, actually, because... I'm picturing using the, the power of my brain. You know, when you make a, a picture of, of the moment in your mind, you can remember every detail. Neuroscience was still in its infancy. And very little was understood about the inner workings of the human brain. Most people thought it was still just an organ designed to store excess molasses. She was, she was standing back there in my private parlor. She, was, she had an awful hunger, so I made her a sandwich. Then she said she was a, ve a very poor driver and she loves swamps. <laughs> and then she went to bed and left in the morning. I mean, I, I didn't see her leave. How did she pay you? Cash or check? Uh, cash. And when she left, she never came back? Well, why would she? Well, Mr. Ab Arbogast, I, I guess that's about it. And I'm sorry, I, I have work to do. So if you don't mind... I, I, I do mind. 
If it don't gel, it ain't aspic. And I think we all know what that means. <laughs> she isn't still here, is she? Not at all. Not even a bit of her. Suppose I wanted to search the cabins, all 12. Would I need a warrant? Would I? Uh, look, if you won't... <laughs> Look, if you won't believe me, you can help me make the beds. C come on, okay? Certainly Arbogast remembers he hates doing work. Oh, <laughs> oh no thanks. Beaten, Arbogast begins walking back... <laughs> Arbogast begins walking back to his car, but spots a shapely Kate Moss-esque figure in the window of the old house. Anyone home? No, no, I, I live there alone. Some, someone is sitting in that window. Uh, my mother, she's... Uh... She's, she's invalid, ill, confined to her room. It, it's practically like living alone. If this girl, Marion Crane, were here, you'd have no reason to hide her, would you? Well, of course not. If she paid you well, you, you could buy a lot with that money. Get a shiny new neon sign, one that doesn't have a typo. <laughs> Hotel is spelt with a H, not an M, Mr. Bates. <laughs> or, now look. Or... or, or or if she had you say, gallantly protecting her, you wouldn't be fooled. You'd know she was just using you, wouldn't you? I am not a fool, and I am not capable of being fooled, not even by a woman. If a woman came in here and she told me, hey, I'm a hundred foot tall, I'd say, no, you're not, that's impossible. <laughs> I didn't mean that uh, slur on your manhood. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, look, maybe she could have fooled me, but... Let's just say that she didn't fool my mother. Oh, then your... Your mother met her? <laughs> so, so your mother met her? Can I talk to your mother? Uh, no, I told you. She's, she's confined. Just for a moment. Uh, she might have picked up a hint you'd miss. Sick old women are sharp. Sometimes when old people's senses begin to deteriorate, some of their other senses get boosted to compensate. I'm sure you heard about that old woman in Hell's Kitchen. She gave that kingpin a good scene to... Come on, I, I, I won't no, disturb. Look, I think I've talked all that I want to, all that I want to you. It would be much better if you left now. Uh, all right. You sure would save me a lot of legwork if I could just talk to your mother, but I'd need a warrant for that. Won't I? <laughs> well, 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 thanks anyway. Arbo pulls away as he remembers that civilians can't get warrants. Later, he is stopped on the roadside making a phone call on a public phone. It's one of those giant rotary phones that takes forever to dial and takes up a hefty chunk of this film's running time. Hello, Lila. Listen, Marion was up here, spent last Saturday night at the Bates Motel, out here on the old highway. I even know what cabin she was in, number one. Well, this young fellow that runs the place said Marion spent the night, left the next day, and that was it. So that's what you wanted to know, right? Can I, can I go home now? I'm so... I'm so tired, Lila! No, 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 not, not exactly. Well, 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 I did, I did question him, believe me. I, I even asked his name and the time. I, I think I, I got all there was to get, except, 
His mother, unfortunately, he wouldn't let me see her. It certainly is suspicious that a self-respecting young man wouldn't want to show off his mother to a stranger. <laughs> you know, you know, I think I'll go back up to the motel first. See you in an hour. Or less. Probably less. I'll, I'll, I'll just pop up and pop right back. I can't see this taking very long. All right. Love you too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Back at the motel, Arbogast pokes around the empty office looking for clues. He rummages through a door but only finds the usual things you find in a drawer in those days. Yams and a few tins of skeleton polish. Bates? Bates? Motel? He makes his way up to the main house. He tiptoes up the carpeted stairs. Just as he reaches the top, a woman rushes out of a bedroom, as if fueled by some sort of biological energy, and stabs him in an impossible number of times to estimate. He falls backwards down the stairs in a way that no one has ever fallen down the stairs. In a weird, clumsy, over-the-top display of dancing. Back at the hardware store, Sam and Lila stand around, not doing anything. Sometimes Saturday night has a lonely sound. Ever notice, Lila? Sam, that is absolutely the worst small talk I've ever heard. That one didn't even make sense. Just give it up. No, hold on, hold on. I'll get this. I got this. Okay. Hey, Lila, what do you think about the color of dreams? he'd be an hour or less. It's been three. Are we just going to go on sitting here? He'll be back. Let's sit still and hang on, okay? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> How far is the old highway? Ha, now who's bad at small talk? <laughs> Wait, oh, you want to go out there, don't you? <sighs> Bust in on Arbogast and the old lady. Maybe shake her up, push them around, make yourself feel big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That wouldn't be a wise thing to do. Patience doesn't run in my family, Sam. I'm going out there. I'm making my own decisions. I'm a modern woman, all head up with gumption and moxie. People weren't used to seeing so much female agency on screen, and ultimately this scene had to be cut from the theatrical release. And instead it was replaced with footage of old steam mills. But Arbogast said... An hour or less. Sam stares vacantly at her. <laughs> well, I'm going. You'll never find it. I'll go. You stay here. Why can't I go out there with you? One of us has to be here in case Arbogast's on the way. Well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here and wait? Yes, yeah, sounds good. Bye. <laughs> Norman stands by the swamp, staring into its murky waters, wondering how many cars he can stack in it. <laughs> And if there's a world record for it. And how he could anonymously claim the prize money for something like that. In the distance, he hears Sam call. Arbogast, Arbogast, well, I tried. Back to the hardware store. Back at the hardware store? He didn't come back here? I checked everywhere. Sam! No Arbogast, no Bates, and only the old lady at home. A sick old lady, unable to answer the door. Or unwilling. Or she didn't hear the doorbell, or she had music on, or a number of other reasons. 
I think we should go see the deputy sheriff. All right, let me get my coat. It was vital that we see the characters get their coats so we know that they're dressed appropriately for the scene transitions. <laughs> Later at the sheriff's house, Sheriff Chambers comes down the stairs in his official police dressing gown. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, I don't know where to start. I guess I'll start in the middle. Okay, so we arrived at your house and I explained the situation. Exactly. This is Lila Crane from Phoenix, the city, not the fictional bird. She's looking for her sister. There's a private detective helping. He proceeds to recount the entire film up to that point. This was a clever trick screenwriters used to use to pad out their running time. Back then they were paid a dime a letter and a nickel for every plot twist. That's some story. So she left Phoenix under her own steam. Back then, they thought the human nervous system was powered by steam-like trains. So she ain't missing so much as she's run away. But from what? A big bird made of fire? She stole some money. $40,000. Oh, mama. You could buy some estates for that. Real ones, too. She'll, uh, she'll be tried in the usual way. We'll put her on the bench in front of the 12 angriest men we can find. Abagast said Marion had been there one night and had left. He was supposed to come back after he spoke to the mother, and he didn't. What do you want me to do about it? I, I don't know. You're the law. Go out there, find somebody, ask some questions. Rough up some beatniks. Uh, I think your private detective is what's wrong. From what little I've heard about your case, uh, I think he got himself into hot lead as to where your sister was going, probably from Norman Bates, and, and called you to keep you still while he took off to her and the money so he could keep them both for himself. No, not him. He doesn't like money. For some reason, he has to be paid in clams. Norman was out when I was there. He's back. He probably isn't even in bed yet. He wasn't putting out when you were there. He just wasn't answering the... T Wait, no. You've gotten yourself into some hot lads. <clears throat> he wasn't out there when you were there. He just wasn't answering the door in the dead of night like some people do. This fellow lives like a hermit, you know, scuttling around, wearing different sized shells on his back. <laughs> and you must remember that the bad business... <laughs> remember the bad business out there about ten years ago? Go on. Gosh, but you... You must remember. I know you're not from around here, but I can't believe you don't remember. <laughs> sheriff goes to phone and dials operator. Operator, it's the sheriff. I want you to connect me with the Bates Motel. <laughs> what an age we live in. You call a guy and ask him to call a number for you. <laughs> I simply can't imagine a more efficient system. <laughs> Norman, Sheriff Chambers here. Been just fine, thanks. Listen, we got some worries here. D did you have a man stop out here tonight? Well, well, this one wouldn't be a customer anyway. A private detective, name of... Uh... Arbogast. Arbogast. And after he left? No, no, it's okay, Norman. He hangs up. The detective was out there, and, and Norman told him about the girl, and the detective thanked him and went away. And he didn't go back? Didn't see the mother? 
Your detective told you he wasn't coming right back because he wanted to question Norman Bates's mother, right? Yes. <laughs> Norman Bates's mother has been dead and buried in Green Lawn Cemetery for the last ten years. My wife helped Norman pick out the dress she was buried in. Periwinkle blue. I have the photos. They're, they're monochrome, of course, so her dress really could be any hue of the same saturation. <laughs> it ain't only local history, Sam. It's, it's the only murder and suicide case in Fairvale Ledgers. Mrs. Bates poisoned the guy she was with, uh, she was involved with, and when she found out he was married, then took a helping of the same stuff herself. Strychnine. Hell of a poison. Makes strict seven look like strict six. <laughs> Ugly way to die. Norman found them dead together, in bed, kissing. <laughs> dead. You mean that old woman I saw sitting in the window wasn't Norman Bates' mother? <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Sam. You sure you saw an old woman? Yes, in the house behind the motel. I pounded and hollered and caused a real ruckus, even knocked some stuff over. <laughs> she just ignored me. And you want to tell me you saw Norman Bates' mother? I want to tell you, and also am telling you. <laughs> Arbogast said so, too, and he said the young man wouldn't let him see her because she was an invalid. She looked perfectly valid to me. <laughs> Well, if the woman up there is Mrs. Bates, who's the woman buried out in Greenlawn Cemetery? They stand for a moment before realizing this is a rhetorical question and they have to actually go out and find their son. Find out. <laughs> they get their coats, as always. Uh, meanwhile, back at the Bates Motel, Mr. Bates is giving out to her son. I am sorry, boy, but you do manage to look ludicrous when you give me orders. Please, mother, get out of my room. Jeez. No, I will not go and hide in the fruit cellar. You think I'm fruity, huh? I'm staying right here in this cozy thought bubble. This is my room, and no one will drag me out of it. They'll come for you, mother. He came after the girl, and now someone will come after him. Mother, please, just for a few days so they won't find you. Just for a few days in that dank fruit cellar. No. You hit, you hit me once, boy, and you won't do it again. I think you should leave, and so do my good friends here, Michael Caine and Christopher Walken. <laughs> now listen here, Norman. You're a bad son. And you should listen to your mother. Mrs. Bates, your son, he's crazy. <laughs> Christopher, what's, uh, Christopher what's, what's wrong with your voice? I don't know what you're to... No, Michael, Michael is right, Christopher. Your voice is normally very good. <laughs> Come now, mother, please. I'll go on my own two feet. I can go on my own two feet, can't I? I'll carry you, mother. Like I've been carrying your performance all evening. The next morning, Sam and Lila meet at the sheriff. Meet the sheriff at the local police station. You didn't find anything? Nothing. The boy is alone out there. It's just him and his warhammer birds. No mother? <laughs> you must have seen an illusion, Sam. Happens all the time. Trick of the eyes. From a distance, he seems like a mother, but you get closer and it's just more desert. <laughs> now, I know you're not the seeing illusion type, but there was no woman there, and I don't believe in ghosts. I used to, but then this gang and their dog showed me that it was just the guy who tried to inherit the old mine. I, I still feel... I can see you do. Stop it. It upsets the men when you do that. 
sooner you drop this thing in the lap of the law, the knees of justice, the toes of litigations, that's the sooner you'll stand a chance of your sister being picked up. Now, how about that? Hmm? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's Sunday. Uh, come over and do the reporting at the house around dinner time. Make it nicer. My wife's gravy will really take your mind off your dead sister. <laughs> well, goodbye now. They leave the police station. Maybe I am the seeing illusions type. I won't feel satisfied unless I go out there, Sam. Neither will I. We better decide what we're going to say and do when we walk in. Well, we're going to register as man and wife and get shown to a cabin and then search every inch of that place inside and out. And it'll be the happiest day of our lives. And we'll grow old together and raise a family and search that motel again some years later and it'll bring back all the happy memories. Okay, here's the plan. We're gonna go in and pretend to be a married couple. And then search the room for any clues, got it? I, I just... Yeah, okay, let's do it. Lilo and Stitch make their way to Bates Motel. They're like Mulder and Scully, but instead of believing that the truth is out there in space, they think that the truth is out there at a creepy motel. Someone was at that window. I saw the curtain move. Norman arrives. I was just coming up to ring to you. I suppose you want a cabin. I've noticed a pattern that people who come to motels are usually looking for a place to stay. <laughs> yeah, we'd hope to make it straight to San Francisco, but we don't like the look of that sky. Those clouds get any more full of, full of evaporated water, then we might turn into droplets, and that might fall on our heads, and then, boy, we'd be wet. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take you to your room. Better sign in first, hasn't we? <laughs> Uh, it isn't necessary. My boss, my boss is paying for this trip. 90% business, 10% gin. And he wants practically notarized receipts. I better sign in and get a receipt. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll get your bags. Haven't any? We only have one set of clothes. <laughs> they were sewn on at birth. <laughs> okay, I'll, uh, I'll show you the cabin. Let me just go on in ahead and check the room is clean and uh, turn on all the showers. Don't bother yourself, we'll find it. Sam and Lila sneak into cabin one. The room is immaculately clean. I mean, like having your girlfriend over for the first time clean. The Rihanna posters have been taken down and all the beanie babies and Hot Wheels have been hidden under your bed. This place is spotless. Even the bathroom is clean. Well, travelodge clean. Hmm, no shower curtain. What's going on, Yelp? <laughs> washed down. It's a piece of paper. The kind you tear up and get rid of. It says 40,000. That's proof Marion was here. It would be too wild a coincidence for somebody else to know about such a big number. <laughs> no, no, Lila. Bates never de denied Marion was here. I knew we should have asked him. <laughs> yes, but maybe this proves that Bates found out about the money. Do we simply ask him where he's hidden it? Hey, that's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> Sam, the old woman, whoever she is, I think she told Arbogast something, and I want to tell her to tell us the same thing, in exactly the same way she told him, however that transpired. She goes to leave, but Sam grabs her by the arm. That's how you held a woman in those days. Other otherwise, they might walk into traffic or, you know, get away. 
him occupied while the other gets to the woman. You won't be able to hold him still if he doesn't want to be held. And I don't like you going to that house alone, Lila, because then I'd be left alone with the face of all those people I killed in that war. <laughs> what was... What was the name of it again? Ah, <laughs> uh, never mind. I can handle a sick old woman. All right, I'll find Bates and keep him occupied. I'll make him watch the first season of Bates Motel. <laughs> if you get anything out of the mother, don't stop to tell me. We'll be too engrossed in that great show. Did you know it had five seasons? Five, Lila! <laughs> Sam finds Norman cleaning up a pile of crusty tissues in his study. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for me? Yes, matter of fact, the wife's taking a nap. She's tuckered out from all that walking and talking. I can never keep quiet enough for her while she rests. I keep asking who she's smiling at in her sleep. So I thought I'd look you up and talk. Satisfied with your uh, cabin? It's fine. Boy, talking sure is fun, huh? Meanwhile, Lila is sneaking her way towards the house. The ominous string instruments begin to play. Originally, for the score, Bernard Herrmann wanted to use only 80 kazoos, but the studio felt string instruments would be better. I've been doing all the talking so far, haven't I? Yes, well, you literally just said talking is fun, and then we sat in silence for a few minutes. <laughs> you are alone here, aren't you? Boy, that sure would drive me crazy. With five minutes, I'd go full Charles Manson. That would, that would be a bit of an extreme reaction, wouldn't it? Just an expression. What I meant was, I'd do just about anything to get away. Wouldn't you? No, it sounds like you're keeping a lot bottled up. Maybe you should talk to someone. I'm just so angry all the time. <laughs> Feels like the world is just like spinning out of control and there's like nothing I can do. I find that going for long walks helps. Thanks, I'll try that. <laughs> hey, Norman, you know, you're all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lila... Lila sneaks in the big house. She creeps up the stairs past family portraits of Norman and a mop with a smiley face drawn on it and enters Mr. Bates' room. Mrs. Bates? Suddenly she sees a woman in the mirror. Oh, 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 oh it's just me. I didn't recognize myself, not from the first person. Wait, what, what's over there? A little boy's bedroom? I didn't know Norman had a son. <laughs> you look frightened. Have I been saying something frightening? No, but you do keep shouting boo. <laughs> I've just been talking about your mother, about your motel. Boo! <laughs> How are you gonna do it? Do what? Buy a new one in a new town where you won't have to hide your mother. Shut up! Norman's diary. Let's see. Dear diary, interrailing is the best. <laughs> I've met so many great people. It's funny, being away from the home, the things you don't expect to miss are the ones... All right, all right, stop procrastinating, Lila. Get out and find that old woman. <laughs> Where you get the money to that, Bates, huh? Boo! Ah! <laughs> Or do you already have it socked away? A lot of it. Leave me alone. I bet your mother knows where the money is and what you did to get it. And I think she'll tell us. She's our key witness. We don't have a case without her. Wait a minute. Where's, where's that girl? The girl you came with, where is she? No one could be asleep for this long. 
Suddenly, Norman grabs a vase and smashes it over Sam's head in what looks like a fatal blow. Luckily, the coat of Dax in his hair keeps the brunt of the damage, and he's just knocked out. Lila hears Bates enter the house and quickly hides in the basement, where she finds Mrs. Bates sitting, facing the wall. Oh, Mrs. Bates. Oh, thank God, it's definitely you. No, 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 don't get up. (laughs) Boy, have I got like a million questions for you. (laughs) One, where's the bathroom? Lila goes to the chair, touches it. The touch disturbs the figure. It starts to turn, slowly, stiffly, a clockwise movement. Lila looks at it in horror. It's the body of a long dead woman. A dead body! Just then, Norman Bates runs into the room dressed in women's clothing, holding a huge butcher's knife. This is his chance to say something cool like, Mama's home! Okay, so it was sort of a Mary Kate and Ashley switcheroo type deal, except he was the only one guy instead of two identical twin girls. Actually, there's probably a better analogy than that, but anyway, there's some gender stuff going on as well. So suddenly, suddenly Sam rushes in and tackles him to the ground in what can only be described as a hate crime. Later, at the police station, Lila and Sam are sitting with Sheriff Chambers trying to think up a good analogy. You mean to tell me it's like Freaky Friday, but with one person? (laughs) Yeah, you two can go home if you like. Making that statement was enough for one night, as was apprehending the suspect and nearly dying. Want to? Uh, No, I'm all right. I feel better when all of this is explained. If it can be. Mm, I don't think we'll ever get a simplified version of the events today. It's a mystery is all. Let's label it as a mystery and put it in a box. I think we're done here. Not so fair. In walks the psychiatrist. He looks like if Columbo dressed as a dentist for Halloween. I got the whole story. Not from Norman. I got it from his mother. Uh, but, but Norman's mother died ten years ago. Norman Bates no longer exists. He only half existed to begin with. Now the other half has taken over. Probably for all time. Did he kill my sister? Yes. And no. I am... <laughs> that you're doing a thing here. <laughs> but I'm really very worried about my sister. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. She dead. Uh. <laughs> Private investigator, too. He dead. <laughs> if you drag out that swamp somewhere in the vicinity of the motel, you'll find their bodies along with a bunch of murdered mammoths. <laughs> Have you any unsolved missing persons cases on your books? Yes, two young girls. They dead. (laughs) Did he he confess to them? As I said to the mother, as I understood, hearing from the mother half, 
of Norman's mind. You, you have to go back ten years to the time when Norman murdered his mother and her lover. He was already dangerously disturbed, had been, ever since his father died. His mother was clinging, demanding woman. And for years, the two of them lived as if there was no one else in the world. But there was. <laughs> one day, a man walked in, and he immediately married her. <laughs> Confused and alone, Norman killed them both. Matricide is probably the most unbearable side of them all. <laughs> After Jenna and Regia. <laughs> and most unbearable to the son who commits it. Less unbearable to the mother because she's dead. <laughs> so he had to erase the crime, at least in his own mind, and also physically, too, so he wouldn't be arrested. <laughs> he hid the body in the fruit cellar. And waited. Oh wait, that's wrong. <laughs> it's right, right no, here. Wait, hold on. I'm just. I'm reading. Did this. he steal her corpse? No, I don't. Yeah. I think. I think the script says he stole her corpse. Mm. And he. Uh, and a weighted coffin was buried, filled to the brim with salami. <laughs> he hid the body in the fruit cellar. There we are. Even treated it to keep it as well as it could keep. Rubbed it all up with bird preservatives. <laughs> And that still wasn't enough. She was there, but she was a corpse. He began to think and speak for her. And when Norman met your sister, he was aroused by her. He wanted her. Unfortunately, your sister's what we psychiatrists refer to as a total babe. <laughs> this set off as a jealous mother persona. And after the murder, Norman returned as if from a deep sleep or a murder nap. <laughs> And like a dutiful son, he covered up all the traces of the crime he was convinced his mother had committed. But why was he dressed like that? A man in woman's clothing? I don't understand it. I'm confused. Did he lose his Y chromosomes? He's a transvestite. Dude. Not exactly. <laughs> not, not exactly. A man who dresses in a woman's clothing in order to achieve a sexual change... That's a transvestite, a timeless definition. <laughs> but in Norman's case, he was simply doing everything possible to keep alive the illusion of his mother being alive. That's what I meant when I said I'd gotten the story from the mo I probably shouldn't have said <laughs> something so confusing, you know, right off, right off the bat like that. The mother thinks that Norman has been taken away because of his crimes. She won't tell us where Christopher Walken and Michael Caine are. <laughs> she insists she did nothing, that Norman committed all the murders just to keep her from being discovered. Anyway, long story short, the mother, to, to wrap the whole... Let me just get this right now. The mother... The mother said she... The mother said she'd testify against Norman, so we've got an eyewitness. That's case closed. Wait, wait. The $40,000, who got that? Oh, no, I did. That's my fee. I'm very expensive. <laughs>
Down the long corridor, in a cell at the end of the prison, we find Norman, sitting quietly, all snug in a blankie, all, all tuckered out from his adventure. It's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son, but I couldn't allow them to believe that I would commit murder. In the end, he intended, he intended to tell them that I killed those girls, as if I could do anything except sit and stare like one of his stuffed birds. Well, they know I can't even move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet, just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say why she wouldn't even harm a fly. Unless that fly aroused her son. <laughs> so in a way, who is the true psycho here? Was it the man who dressed as a woman to deal with his own guilt? Or was it a society that turned its back on him? It was the man. The psycho man. Mom, the... are you ready? We're gonna be late. I'll be right there, kids. I didn't see Norman much after that. But I know that wherever he is, I'll never forget him. This next song is for all the mothers listening. Stay safe out there, Arizona, wherever you are. This is Mrs. Bates signing off. Stardate 1960. Sex in the City blog post, the end. The end. Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show is at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets.